And every time the Germans get it now, they're looking to break. They're kind of playing on a counter-attack. Oh! <laughs> Long ball play forward on the counter-attack. Klinsman takes it down. Right foot volley from the edge of the box. Hits the post. Played the, the, the whole game, I think, and um, was notably limping and could barely move and ended up being his final ever game, not only for Milan, but, but in football. And he was only 28 years old. Welcome to Dan Stand. This week we have got a recording of a recent YouTube live I did all about the game between Holland and Germany, or to be correct, the Netherlands and West Germany in the World Cup Italia 90. Um, now I did this live on YouTube uh, reviewing the entire game. I was watching along a lot of the game at the time and um, and giving some some feedback on the history of the players, the history of the rivalry. And I've I've edited it together to um, to to make this podcast. Now, I had a few uh, internet issues during it, but I have edited that down so that you hopefully won't notice any problems on the actual live. There are a few issues which won't happen again. I've, I've fixed now and, and, and won't be a problem going forward. So uh, hopefully they don't get in the way of your, your listening to this podcast. A few other updates. I was away in Portugal on a uh, little golf trip. Uh, actually did some recording whilst I was out there. And I kind of thought relevant to Portugal uh, in light of talking about historic games. I was doing a lot of talking about the uh, England v Portugal game in Euro 2004, uh, which I kind of um, remember a lot about, not not really fondly because we lost on penalties, but um, do remember the game a lot and there was a lot of talking points and I thought it was a really good game to review. So I've got a few bits I'm editing together and the, the next podcast will be all about that game. So something to look forward to there. It's, uh, it should be coming pretty soon. I've also been working hard behind the scenes on my clothing designs. Um, these are all based on classic football designs and football shirts uh, put in a way onto a, um, onto a piece of clothing that means if you know it, if you, if you saw the design and you know that shirt, you'd know exactly what it was, but you wouldn't be going out kind of displaying to everyone that you're wearing a football shirt so it's something I've always wanted is is to I've always liked the designs but I don't necessarily want to go out wearing a football shirt all the time especially in my 40s so um so yeah these are the designs are, are clothes that I wanted to wear and I've designed and 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 really really like so uh, I've been working on them nearly ready to launch I had some samples come through last week which uh, a couple of them I wasn't entirely happy with um so i've been trying to fix a, a couple of little issues with those and i've got um the new samples arriving at me with me imminently if i'm happy with those then i'll be launching uh the products 
straight away and they'll, they'll kind of be related to the content I'm putting out um, which will all kind of become clear in, in due course. Uh, I've also been recording interviews. Uh, I'm trying to put together a series of interviews before I release it. Um, the interviews I did in the past were very kind of ad hoc and they'd come and go as and when I was available and the, pe and the people I was interviewing were available. So uh, I'm trying to put together a kind of series of pre-recorded interviews that I can release uh, regularly and consistently so that um, you can know exactly what to expect and get a lot more in enjoyment from that. Apart from that, I'll be back again with another YouTube live soon. Follow me, uh, Sterling Sports, on YouTube and all other social media channels to find out more about that. So enjoy the, uh, the upcoming podcast, Netherlands v West Germany, Italia 90. Yeah, it's always fascinated me, this game, just through the setup alone. Uh, what happens in the match is uh, <laughs> nothing could happen and it's still been fascinating. But it's the fact you've got uh, the rivalry between Germany and Holland go back. So, I mean, obviously, there's a history since the, the Second World War of uh, Germany occupying Holland. But the um, 1974 World Cup final, where Beckenbauer's Germany defeated uh, Johan Cruyff's uh, Netherlands in 2-1 in the in the World Cup final, and that was said to be Holland's World Cup, really Cruyff's World Cup. Um, and it was um, uh, it was it was kind of his to to lose, and 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 the Germans kind of took it away from them. And I think the, the Dutch will never forget that. Now, Beckenbauer, who and, and one is actually manager of this Germany team going into 90. Um, there's the, right, I've got the match playing now in the background. That I can see. Yeah, if you want to watch the match as well, it's on the FIFA website with no commentary or on YouTube, uh, on the FIFA's YouTube with English comms. So yeah, as I was saying, it's the great rivalry between Holland and, and Germany kind of stems back quite far. 1974 World Cup final. And then two years prior to this match was the 1988 Euros, uh, which Holland won. But it was actually in West Germany in the semis where they beat Germany. And two very similar teams now facing up in uh in italy um <clears throat> now the match has started it's uh a minute in i'm watching it and it's already um already kind of fairly end to end um holland kind of get on the game straight away uh get into the game and get on the ball and look like they're controlling things which which i'll i'll watch soon now they're also both very um heavy favourites for the tournament going into it. Both Germany and Holland were, were right up there because Germany had finished runner-up in the previous two World Cups, uh, 86. Mexico and 82 in Spain, they were losing finalists. So um, 
uh, and then obviously losing in the semis to Holland in the previous Euros. Uh, they were going into this kind of fairly well fancied. Holland were going in as reigning European champions with three of the best players uh, in the world at that point, that tournament. Holland had the uh, Trey Tulips from AC Milan um, <clears throat> of Van Basten, Hullet and Rijkaard. That AC Milan side was known or is known as potentially the greatest team of all time. And according to UEFA's rating, it, it is the greatest team of all time. They were, they had an invincible season and um, won many Syrias and Europe, three European Cups. I think this this team. Uh, and then Inter Milan had the three Germans of Lothar Mateus, Jürgen Klinsmann and Andy Bremer. They both played in the San Siro and this match is in the San Siro. So it brings so much to this game. You've got two of the best team club teams in the world kind of facing up at the World Cup in their in their own backyard. In qualifying leading up to the tournament, Holland and Germany were actually in the same group. They played each other twice, drew to, drew twice, and uh, Holland ended up finishing top of that group. So they kind of had had the edge on the Germans already. Now. Uh, the um, the World Cup had started fairly poorly for the, for the Dutch. They'd drawn uh, all three matches uh, they played in uh, against England, Ireland and Egypt. Now, Ireland had also drawn all three matches, which meant, and they were on the same points and the same goal difference, which meant it went to a, a coin toss to see who finished higher in the group to go through to the next round because uh, the three teams from the group went through surprisingly uh the dutch lost the coin toss and ended up uh which, which is why they've ended up facing germany and if they had lot if they had won that coin toss they would have gone to face romania i think ireland had and would have only ever met germany in the final of italia 90 which it could quite easily been the final if, if they'd have won that coin toss. Now, um, Germany had a much more impressive group stage. They won 4-1 uh, against a really strong Yugoslavian side, quite fancied Yugoslavian side. So they were kind of uh, going in to this game on, on much better form in the early stages. But as you know, in World Cups, anything can happen when it reaches the knockout stages. Actually changed their team to a... Uh, to five at the back to counteract the Dutch in this match and every other game in the tournament. The Germans played at the back. I mean, they have Andy Bremer as a bit of a kind of sweeper or left back can play left wing. So he, he roams a bit. So they're never quite static with a formation, but they, they noticeably change things in this. Oh, five minutes in and Rijkaard has a great chance. Hullet robs the German defender of the ball, puts it in, and Rijkaard could have easily finished that, but just misses. Rijkaard actually played midfield for uh, AC Milan, generally played at the back for Holland, centre uh, uh, defence with, with Ronald Koeman. But when he signed for AC Milan, they had so many good defenders, I think he was moved up into midfield for AC Milan and ended up making it his own. Dutch had a corner, comes to nothing, but 
they've got I mean it's only six minutes in now and they've got much more of this this game so far. Now I'll start with the with the Dutch team. They line up with eight players who played in the 88 final. Um yeah, best two kits. Yeah. I've got this Germany kit, Dutch kit, I really like as well. It's um I've actually ordered one and I was hoping to get it in time for this, but uh, it hasn't arrived. But it's a great kit. It's, it is very different to their uh, the kit they won the Euros with two years earlier, which has kind of got the, the chevrons going across. But yeah, this is a very classic Dutch kit. I like it. <laughs> yeah, they, their team, I mean, Marco van Basten, he is one of, if not potentially the greatest striker of all time. Right. Uh, <laughs> the Dutch just had another great chance. One-on-one -on -one with the keeper. Header puts it over the bar. Eight minutes in now. Just coming up to. Yeah, Van Basten. Often rated as the best striker of all time. And best number nine. What potentially is, for me, maybe original Ronaldo for that but undoubtedly he was well up there he won the Ballon d'Or in 1988 and 1989 so coming into this World Cup he won the previous two so I think the only person that would have been rivaling him as the best player in the world at this point would be Maradona who um, obviously couldn't win the Ballon d'Or because it was only Europeans at that time but even so <clears throat> Van Basten would be rivaling him as 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 one of the greats of the game at this point. Um, Van Basten would actually win it again in 1992 to make it three Ballon d'Ors in his career. His time with Ajax, he won three uh, titles, Dutch titles, three Dutch Cups, top goal scorer in four of the seasons he was there. I think that's potentially all four seasons he was there. Uh, obviously, like I've said, won the Euros in 88 with Holland. Won Syria in 88-90 in this season where we're watching this match. Won the European Cup in 88-89 and 89-90. So going into this tournament, and that was with Rijkaard and Hullet. So going into this tournament, they just won the European Cup and League Double. And I think we need to mention that at that point, Syria was the greatest league in the world and the hardest league in the world. So these three really are on top of the footballing world. Uh, they also won Serie A in 87, 88. Um, they won the European UEFA Super Cup, Intercontinental Cup, Italian Super Cup in this season as well. Um, and also here, Van Basten scored one of the greatest goals of all time in the Euro 88 final, that fantastic volley. Uh, set up by Ruud Hillett against Russia in the final. I mean, he's he's on top of the world going into this World Cup. This 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 could easily been the talked of as the Van Basten World Cup that we're going into. But um, as we'll find out, it, it wasn't to be. Oh, the Holland nearly have a have a goal again. Just went over the bar. Just tried to lob the keeper from outside the box from Wouters. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Rude Hullet, 
who I just mentioned setting up that goal, he won the Ballon d'Or in 1987, previous to, previous to uh, Marco Van Basten's latest two, uh, and was runner-up to Van Basten in 88. So as you can see, they really are going in with, with, with the greats of the game in this one team. Halit uh, was actually signed by Milan as a kind of big money rival to Napoli's Maradona. They were looking to um, Germany have a shot from distance, goes over the bar. Uh, yeah, they were looking to rival Napoli, get, like, get the title back from Napoli, who had won it under Maradona uh, two or three times. And Halit um, was this kind of big name, big money signing that they were getting in to do so. Van Basten was actually a much smaller signing for them, uh, who came in at the same time, as a similar time as Hullet, who ended up being the kind of bigger star. When it was all done, he was, Rude Hullet was Dutch Footballer of the Year in 1984 and 86. Uh, he went on to win two European Cups with Milan, the same as uh, Van Basten, and uh, won the Dutch League three times and the Dutch Cup once. The third Dutch player for that AC Milan team was um, Frank Rijkaard, who I've mentioned already. He uh, was third place for the Ballon d'Or in 88 and 89. So in that um, 88 Ballon d'Or, you had Van Basten, Hullet and Rijkaard, top three, top three best players in the world in one year, which is, which is incredible. Obviously, again, Rijkaard won the Euros uh, with Holland and the same trophies they all won together with Milan. He stayed a bit longer with, with Milan and won, won two more league titles. And then also went on to win the Champions League with Ajax in 1995. And they actually beat Milan in the final, which is pretty incredible that that much later he's going on uh, <laughs> to uh, to win a, another European trophies which is just shows how impressive of a, of a player he is now he um his time in in holland he won five dutch titles uh, he won two, two uefa super cups with one with milan and one with ajax he won two italian super cups he won three dutch cups with ajax and he won two intercontinental um which goes to show how incredible the three players were both for ajax and for Holland at this time. Uh, now, the other big star in the Dutch team was Ronald Koeman, who had been at Barcelona for a year before the World Cup. Uh, he actually won the European Cup with PSV in uh, 1988, uh, the same year in which he would win the uh, win the European Cup, with, uh, the European Championship, sorry, with, uh, with Holland. And then he wins the European Cup again with Barcelona in 1992, uh, where he actually scores the, the winning goal. Uh, he won four Dutch titles at his time in Holland, three Dutch Cups. And uh, going into this tournament, he won season with, with, with Barca and he won the Spanish Cup. Uh, he went on to win four Spanish titles, uh, the UEFA Super Cup and the Champions League, as I've, as I've mentioned, scoring the winner in the final. So all in all, they've got these fantastic players in their prime. Now, Hullet, Rijkaard and Koeman were all 27, prime age. Van Basten, 25. 
But even though he was 25, he'd already had numerous uh, injury problems and surgeries on his ankle. He'd actually already had a, a surgery on his ankle before the um, Euro 88 tournament. And, uh, and apparently he didn't have full movement in his ankle when he scored that, that goal in the final. And it was slumming it with Chelsea when Rijkaard was doing his last. Yeah, he was. He was, yeah. Yeah, and then you think they're they're the same age. They're actually um, childhood friends, Hullet and Rijkaard. Um, so the fact uh, Rijkaard was winning the Champions League with Ajax, and uh, and Hullet was there in his uh, the twilight of his career with um, with Chelsea, I think says something about them as individuals. Uh, Rijkaard was known for his uh, his stamina and how how he would, would just never stop, go on and on and on. I think Hullet was known for his, uh, his socialising a little bit more. <laughs> this game is where I've got it now. We're about 18 minutes in. Uh, Holland are kind of having the majority of the game. Germany just have an attack forward, but miss it. I think it's on... So it's just coming up on the... Uh, I'm just going to go forward a little bit because it's the 21st minute where um, we have a first kind of major incident of the game, which uh, I will explain as I watch it. Fortunately, it's a bit choppy, the stream. There's a couple of uh, fouls between um, Rijkaard and, and Rudy Voller. And uh, Rijkaard gets gets booked, going in quite strong on him. Now, um, this is the first one coming up now. And he goes straight through him. Nowhere near the ball. Frank Rijkaard. And uh, referee straight over yellow card in hand. And uh, no no complaints from Rijkaard on that one. Rudy Voller also played in Italy for Roma at this point, so they were well aware of him. As he's walking away there, he seems to spit towards Voller. But and Voller's having a bit of a bit of a word with him there. And um, Germany are taking the free kick. Voller gets a uh, a yellow card, and like can presume the yellow card is just for the, him, him just having a go at Rijkaard. And he, and he shows the, um, the referee the back of his head and wipes it with his hand, showing the spit. Now, the ball goes in the box. Keeper goes up, claims it. But, and uh, Rijkaard's not happy with the way the German went in on the keeper, Rudy Voller, and he's uh, gone right over to him. Having a go him again, Voller goes down, and the referee comes over, sends them both off. As they're walking off, Rijkaard spits in the back of his head again. Plain as day, awful. And Voller's kind of—they're both walking off the pitch. Voller kind of chasing after Rijkaard now. Uh, they're both sent off. Incredible. Um, now you found out. After the game, that apparently Rijkaard had um, recently divorced from his wife, so it wasn't in a good place. 
uh, before the game, and um, which could explain his behaviour here because he's he spat on Vollard twice. Now Vollard running after him down the touchline, just runs straight past him. Doesn't stop, runs straight past him to get off the pitch. Now Germany has obviously lost their forward in in Rudy Voller, but I think more importantly, Holland lost their talismanic player in Frank Reichard, and they don't really have anyone else who can come in and uh, and do the job he was doing. Whereas um, I think the Germans have. Karl-Heinz Riedler on the bench. Um, and I've got the lineup here. Yeah, they've got yeah, Riedler, Riedler comes off, comes on actually. Karl-Heinz Riedler comes on. Um, Frank Mill is their other striker. They've all got Olaf Thorne on the bench as well. Thomas Hassler, Andreas Muller. So they've got plenty going on, whereas um, the uh, the Dutch don't really have a huge amount of, of backup to to kind of strengthen them when they've now they've gone down to ten men. And I think you can see uh, almost straight away that the Germans are now on top in this game. They, they've won another free kick that they're putting in, uh, and the Dutch are kind of noticeably rattled, and the Germans just seem like they're they're carrying on as as they were. I mean, still shooting from from distance at the moment. Now, this German team, um, Lothar Matthias, is probably the star of this team. And at this point, he's probably at the height of his powers. He's 29 years old. Like I said before, he plays for Inter Milan, the uh, the city rivals of, of the Dutch trio. And... Um, he won the Euros, actually, with Germany in 1980. Um, I I mean, he's obviously uh, 19 years old at this point, so I don't know how much of a part he played of that, but he's he's got the title to his name. Um, he won At this point, he'd won three German titles before the move to, um, to, to Inter Milan. And he, when he when he left into Milan, he went back to to Bayern Munich, where he was, and um, and he went to win four more. He he German Cup with his first stint at Bayern, and would go on and win two, win two more. Now, the big season for Lothar Matthäus at Inter Milan was the eighty eight eighty nine season, where they won Serie A and stopped AC Milan winning it that year, uh, and that was with Andreas Bremer. Uh, Jürgen Klinsmann came the season after. Mateus actually scored the winner in the game that would see them win the title and they'd win the Italian Super Cup that year. Mateus actually goes on to win the Ballon d'Or in this year, in 1990, following the World Cup. <clears throat> and then again, he was runner-up in 1991, in which the year he wins the UEFA Cup with, uh, with Klinsmann and Bremer at Inter Milan. Uh, yeah, he also wins the UEFA Cup again with Bayern Munich in 95-96. And obviously, uh, spoiler alert, he wins the World Cup in 1990 with, uh, with Germany. <laughs> he actually never won a European Cup or Champions League, surprisingly, uh, in his career. But I think it's, Inter Milan were kind of known at this point for underperforming in Europe. But it was very, very different competition because they didn't have the, the Champions League group stages that they have now. So it was um, 
there were a lot more upsets. So in Inter Milan, famously went out to Roy Hodgson's uh, FC Malmo uh, when he was there, and um, because you would play these the minnows in the early stages, and they were straight knockouts from the off. Um, so these days, there's there's so many less upsets because if you lost a Malmo, it'd be in the group stages, and you'd probably still go through anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, unfortunately, never managed to win a, a Champions League. Um, Klinsman uh, into Milan as well. He was actually missed out on the Serie A title. Came a year later, didn't really have as much success as as Inter Milan had hoped when he came. He went he went to Inter Milan on the on the back of being Bundesliga Golden Boot in 87, 88. I think it was for Stuttgart. He was German Footballer of the Year in Germany that year. Uh, he was obviously in that UEFA Cup winning team with Inter, and he was also in the UEFA Cup winning team with uh, Lothar Matthäus at Bayern Munich in 1996. As well as this World Cup, Klinsmann would actually win the Euros in 96 as well with Germany. So, a uh, great season for him that year. And then he'd go on to win the German title in 96 97 uh, with, with Bayern Munich, um, following his first stint with, with Tottenham Hotspur. Now, Klinsmann, the main thing. I remember from Klinsman was the was the Klinsman dive, and I think when uh, when he came to the Prem, when he came to the Premier League with Tottenham and, and the iconic celebration came out the Klinsman dive, uh, we were all doing it at school, um, sometimes on the concrete, definitely when it was raining on the grass, but yeah, bit of a bit of a maybe a cult hero at Tottenham came back from for a second stint and. Um, was a bit of, of a saviour to them that time. Andy Bremer, he uh, he won the 86-87 title with Bayern Munich. Uh, and then when he went back to Germany at the um, towards the end of his career, he went back to Kaiserslautern where he was was in the early playing days and he won the German title in 97-98. Like I said, he won the Serie A with Inter in 89, won the UEFA Cup in 91. He had a German Cup in '96 with Kaiserslautern, and uh, he had this fantastic tournament with um, uh, in Italia '90 with with Germany, where he would score the equaliser against England uh, in the semis. The, that deflected kick off Paul Parker that, that England fans all know and 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 hate. Um, and um, he actually scored the um, the winner in the final, which was a, a, an 85th minute penalty. Now, apparently, um, Lothar Mateus should have been taking that penalty, but he uh, he had a, a broken stud and um, and said he didn't feel comfortable in his boots and, and asked uh, Bremer to take it. And Bremer went on to score it. And there were there's been a bit of talk in in Germany. I think things about about Mateus being a bit of a uh, bit of a bottler when the uh, when the big moment comes because there was a couple of other incidents in his career where where he wasn't there notably the 99 Champions League final against Man United he actually got subbed off around the 80th minute and um, I think that kind of echoed of low to Mateus not being around when when it came down to the to kind of crunch time. Um, so whether he'd have stayed on the pitch and and prevented Solskjaer and Scholes from from scoring, 
Uh, but yeah, Bremer went on, scored that winner in the final. Uh, to, to, to a bit of a German legend, Andy Bremer, and he kind of played this roaming fullback role, probably one we see similar to these days that that Pep is playing with John Stones and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold has been doing uh, sometimes. <clears throat> but yeah, all in all, a, a fantastic player. Uh, Rudy Voller, who we we talked about in the send off, he was um, played for Roma at the time. Uh, top goal scorer in the Bundesliga in that 82 and 83. He played in World Cup 86 with Germany runner up. Uh, played in the Euros in 84 and 88. Scored in all tournaments. Goes on to win the Italian Cup with Roma in 91. And was actually in that fantastic Marseille side that won the Champions League in 1993. Um, at the time of this World Cup, Mateus, I said, 29. Klinsmann, 25. Andy Bremer, 29 as well. And Rudy Voller, 30. So, so again, they're, they're all in their prime. So this game is kind of full of players in their prime. Dandstand is part of the Sterling Sports Media Network. Join the Sterling Sports community on your preferred media channel for more nostalgic football content and be the first to hear about our new retro football clothing range. I'm 35 minutes into this game now and Holland just haven't had an attack in, a, in, in quite a while. Um, they just had one going forward, but uh, Van Basten miscontrols the ball, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really not them back <clears throat> uh, after that after those red cards. Um, I'm going to go forward to the, uh, the second half because it's nil nil at half time. Yeah, so second half I'm starting. It's it's nil nil at half time and they're just coming out. Dutch are looking a bit more lively. Kuman just plays a great ball into into Hullet's feet in the midfield and he plays it off nicely and puts Van Basten on the ball. Um now I'm gonna show you some uh Paul Parker's arse called that goal. Yes, Paul Parker's arse, yeah. I think Andy Bremer is the guy who's uh, who's got his name on the score sheet. But yeah, Paul Parker's ass was the uh, was the culprit. Uh, now I've got some uh, some old stickers to show you. Now the Italia ninety stickers. This is uh, Klinsmann in the German. You can see, unfortunately, it's in the training top, so you don't get that German kit that we see them wearing at the moment. And the Dutch, there's actually their old kit that they won the Euros in. not the kit they played in this World Cup, which is unfortunate. Now, I think a lot of people will remember the Orbis Italia 90 album, but this is the Panini one. And I think these are more sought after these days than, than the Orbis stickers. Um, this Van Basten one, you can see that's the, um, the standard back of an Italia 90 sticker that most people would recognize. This uh, one has a different back because it's a Mexico issue. Um, so it's a little bit harder to get a hold of, so I had to ship that over from Mexico. But you can see that's Van Pasten's Italia 90 sticker with a Mexico, it's called Holanda back. A closer look at that, and there's a few different variations and, and backs you can get 
which uh, are quite interesting. Now, in terms of Klinsman, this is his first ever sticker from his first season at Stuttgart, which is quite hard to get a hold of. Um, but I just love the kind of original stickers that you see. The kit, the kind of designs of them and the kits and the haircuts. See that dinkle? <laughs> She's just great. Hair all, Klinsman's hair all over the place. There's him a couple of years later. Still at Stuttgart. And that's good. That's the uh, Panini stickers. So in Germany, it's called Fußball. Fußball. Um, so that's so Fußball 85. That means it's from the 1984-85 season. Um, now in Holland, uh, it's the, um, I don't know, the earliest of Hullet stickers I have had is this one, which is from 1981. 82 and in in Holland it's called Wertball 82. Hold on, something's happening in the game. Oh, Mr. Goal. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it back a little bit. So I'll just tell you with this about this goal. <clears throat> so we're 40 uh 48 minutes in now. And uh Ball goes out for a Dutch throw in in the German half. Plays it into Van Basten, tries to flick it on, but doesn't quite make it to to Hullet. But they they retrieve possession. Kuman's got the ball quite high up the pitch. Tries to play a through ball. Just gets uh, intercepted by German defender Matthias. Gets on the ball in the middle of the park, and he pretty rapid. To be fair, Matthias, I didn't know he was. Plays it out wide to Klinsman. Klinsman back in the box. Goes to Mateus. Keeper makes a great save. Mateus is such a kind of box-to-box midfielder. He's probably like a, a Roy Keane-style player, but better. Uh, he can play any position. He's just everywhere. Um, but, yeah, t- rises right above the defender to get that header in. And he's not tall. Uh, but he's had a big leap on in there and he was he was unlucky not to get more from that. Uh, so Germany got it down the left wing now. Little finish past the keeper. Lovely touch. And uh, not not pulling off the uh, the Klingsman dive just yet for this World Cup, which was disappointing. But um, great goal and puts, um, puts Germany 1-0 up. Um, now... That was uh, Bushwald with the cross uh, from the left wing for Germany. And, uh, yeah, beats his man, plays it in. Quality goal. Really good. So, um, so yeah, Klinsmann puts Germany one up. As I was saying, Hullet's earlier sticker, I've got to say, too, his, his earliest sticker is actually from 1979. Uh, which is pretty hard to get hold of and costs a hell of a lot of money, and I don't have one unfortunately. But as you see in Holland, it's called Voetbal or Voetbal, um, which is still Panini at the bottom. But they, for each country, they have different names of stickers. That's the uh, the following season, eighty two, eighty three. 
So you see he's with Harlem there, which is where he starts. And then uh, gets signed by Fiennaud. The one thing I like doing is, is actually kind of tracking a, a player's career with their stickers. You see he's still at Fiennaud, and that's uh, 84, 85. And then uh, Van Basten, his uh, rookie sticker is is the same. Uh, he's in the team with with Rijkaard in 1982-83 season, and um, that's the following year. Van Basten, he, he never changes the way he looks. Really, he was with Ajax the whole time. Um, until he signed for Milan. Now, I've got quite a lot of um, Van Basten at, at Milan. <laughs> so you can see all the different different stages of Van Basten in his Milan. So this is the a classic Calciatore, which is the Panini. Um, Milan stickers was actually the first ever Panini stickers with a Calciatore in about 1960, I think. Um, but there's plenty of Van Basten in this uh, in the classic Milan kit. This is a kind of hologram. Don't know if you can pick that up card, which is quite cool. Yeah, maybe pick that up on the light. A few other Van Basten cards I've got. You can you can pick them up there. Various ones. Him lifting the Dutch Cup with Ajax. Finger in the air, scoring for AC Milan, and uh, yeah, have an orange juice. Lovely stuff. This is uh, in the Dutch kit. A couple of those in the Dutch kit. And um, I've got one there in a, in a slab for um, AC Milan in 1987, which was the first year he, he arrived uh, in AC Milan. Now, Hullet, um, you can see that one in the Dutch kit. This is when Hullet's full moustache and dreadlocks which is kind of the hullet we want to see um in his milan kit there and another one this is when he was um kind of in his prime race milan as they as they all were and a couple more you might like to see uh yeah there's that the same sticker as um as the van basten one that that you find um, the Rijkaard, early Rijkaard stickers there in his uh, Ajax days. And another one in his Ajax. Oh, Holland just had a great chance, actually. Just puts it past the post. I'm not sure who that was. Uh, Wooters again, it was. There you go. Um, just puts it past the post. But yeah, there's plenty of Rijkaard stickers. Another one done in the Tash. Solidarity with Hullet. And that's when he returned back to Ajax. So that's 94-95. So this is when he went back to Ajax and won the Champions League. And you see how big the sticker gets then. Um, and I'm not sure if he was... The, I mean, it, you'd, you'd have players like Edgar Davids come into the team now. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, this was when uh, Ronaldo... Brazilian Ronaldo played at the same time as him, but it could well have been. Rijkaard obviously went on to manage Barcelona um, to be only succeeded by Pep Guardiola. This is uh, him 
in uh, the Euro 88 stickers, as you can see, there's another training top kit, but this is where they won the sticker. But it's a shame that he's not wearing the um, this kit in that sticker because that's what they that's what they won it. <laughs> this is a shame. Ronald Koeman, there's an early sticker of Ronald Koeman. Ronald Koeman is probably, when I was growing up, Potentially the player I hated the most uh, because he stopped us from qualifying for the 1994 World Cup um, when he flicked one. He's going to flick one. He's going to flick one. He's flicked one uh, and scored a free kick in qualifying. Yeah, he's going to flick one. <laughs> scored a free kick in uh, in qualifying for the uh, 94 World Cup, which put us out and... Um, I, I definitely nearly cried. I might have cried, but it was pure hatred because he should have been sent off in that game. Shouldn't have been on the pitch to to flick that free kick in, and um, but he was um, unfortunately, and uh, which which meant we didn't go to the World Cup. So I always had a, a small hatred for um, Ronald Koeman, and um, he. Uh, but you can't kind of deny he was a fantastic, fantastic player, but he always just seems so dirty to me, so kind of full of dirty tricks. Um, and I felt like that that World Cup, that 94, so I was quite, this match, 1990, I was too young to really appreciate Italia 90. And um, I do remember it, but I was too young to kind of get that emotional, emotionally involved about it um but 94 world cup 94 i would have been 13 so at secondary school uh and that world cup would have just been everything we'd have talked about at school that entire summer in america so exciting to see all those games going and saying because i remember watching the games they're all on a good times for us to watch um I had, an, I had a friend who was at an Irish family, so I was going around his house to watch all the Ireland games. Um, so jealousy of us not being there and not to experience that at that level. Because the, ne the next World Cup that came along in uh, in 1998, I was um, I was leaving school, so I never got that. We we had the Euro '96 at while while I was at school. That was the only real tournament I got to kind of experience at school. And I think for every kind of schoolboy or girl to experience a, a World Cup while you're at school because it's it's all you and your friends talk about the entire the entire the every day the entire time is it's all you're doing every time you play football you're thinking you're you're different players and different teams and um and yeah to be to be robbed of that, that summer of ninety four by by Ronald Koeman I can't can't ever forgive him. So Holland are making a sub uh, they had an injury Keeft is coming on for Van Al, uh, right back. And yeah, 67 minutes I'm on now. I've, I've, I've flicked forward a little bit. Um, but yeah, not, not a huge amount has happened in the game. Just kind of controlling it a bit. The Dutch have had the odd, the odd chance here and there, but the D Germans are kind of fully in control of this game now. Um You kind of think that Van Basten hasn't looked like he's able 
to be Van, as Van Basten S, who you want now. Van Basten was known as the, the swan because he of his power and his grace and the way he played the game. And um, we haven't really got to witness that so far. And I, I don't think he really did this entire World Cup, which is a real shame. Now, Van Basten's probably potentially the, well, the saddest story in football because he was so great like i said one of the top top two strikers of all time definitely like in the in the, in the top everyone's kind of top 50 players of all time potentially everyone's top 10 players of all time um he uh it, but he was just savaged by injuries like at 25 in this world cup he already had so many uh ankle surgeries and had before your 88 which was 23 and he actually ended up having a surgery um in 1993 or 92 um where in milan didn't want him to have it but he, he kind of got advised by people and dutch doctors he's actually just gone in on Matthias, chasing back lothar Matthias and taking him down on the right wing and got booked for it you can see he's getting frustrated that he just cannot get into this game. And, um, yeah, so he had a, a surgery in 1993, and it was just to clean his ankle. Um, and the AC Milan doctors were kind of telling him not to have this surgery. They advised him against it. They didn't think it was right. And he, went, and he, and he had it anyway, his, his advisors in Holland and... Went and had the surgery and, uh, and and had some complications and actually had some infections and um, they were saying he was kind of lucky just to walk again after after what happened with it. So in 1993, three years after this this game we're talking about today, is um, he got back into playing that season but could never really get fully fit and then. The Milan were in the Champions League final, which he played and played the the, the whole game, I think, and um, was notably limping and could barely move, and ended up being his final ever game, not only for Milan but but in football. And he was only 28 years old, so for a player that a year earlier had won the Ballon d'Or to then never play football again. It's just um, just such a such a sad tale that you kind of think about a player nowadays having who who is the best, one of the best players in the world retiring at 28. It would be um it'd be an absolute travesty. It'd be talked about forever. And um I mean it just wouldn't happen these days because you just wouldn't have those complications in in surgery. He probably wouldn't have had all the surgeries he did have from from the offset, um, which is is just a, just a real shame that we were kind of robbed of of half the career of this uh, incredible player. I and mean, when you think about the fact Rijkaard was winning the Champions League, and he's older than Van Basten winning the Champions League with Ajax, and Van Basten was long retired. Um, so yeah, really, really, really sad. Um, it's only five minutes in now, and um, Holland are kind of passing it around a bit, but they just can't get anywhere. The Germans are so well organised, so drilled. 
and he just had it in midfield and just end up giving it away. Uh, and every time the Germans get it now, they're looking to break. They're kind of playing on a counter-attack. Oh, <laughs> long ball play forward on the counter-attack. Klinsman takes it down. Right foot volley from the edge of the box. Hits the post. Fantastic effort from, from Klinsman. Holland playing a ball in the box. but it, Oh, well, it was clean through, but the whistle goes offside. I'm going to go through to the, the kind of final instance in the game. So we've got 10 minutes to go now in the game. And uh, once this uh, once this advert lets me carry on watching it, I'll tell you what's, what's going to happen. And there we go. So yeah, I'm going to go forward a few minutes. But yeah, 10 minutes to go. And in Milan at the San Siro, now apparently there was um, a lot more German fans there than uh, than Dutch fans, which I'm surprised when you think about the Dutch fans now. They always say they travel well. The orange, the orange army, they call them, I think. But yeah, to think that this uh, this stadium is is kind of more full of of Germans is uh, is strange to see. But you can you can tell by the listening to the noise of the crowd it is um, very much more uh, like a home game for Germany um, every time the Germans go forward there's huge huge eruptions from the crowd Dutch trying to play it into the box again Hullet trying to get on the end of it very much known for his heading doesn't quite manage it I mean the fact Van Basten was quite looked quite slight in stature but apparently he was an absolute beast and Really, really good at heading. And uh, when you compare it to Brazilian Ronaldo, Germany break with the ball. Oh, Kuma, he was there two on one. Kuma does very well, cuts it out. Um, you compare him to Brazilian Ronaldo, the one thing that people say Ronaldo couldn't do was uh, was head the ball. And Van Basken can definitely do that, scored many headers. And um, probably compare Van Basten, he's been compared to. Uh, Zlatan uh, a lot and um, probably Lewandowski similar style as that but um, a lot more kind of graceful but he was able to score all all different types of goals didn't quite have the same kind of explosive dribbling as uh, as Brazilian Ronaldo but um, Ambassador's best performance against England in 88 do you remember that one, Ron? <laughs> I, de I, de I definitely don't remember much about England's performance in 88. I think it was pretty abysmal. Absolutely destroyed Tony Adams. Yeah, I bet he did. I bet he did. I, I might have to go and, watch, go and watch that one as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was his tournament, wasn't it? 88. Absolutely iconic for that, him and Hullet. That, that iconic image of, of Hullet lifting the trophy. Oh, Germany just got free. Matthias is everywhere. Just gets taken down on the left wing again. But he's popping up on either wings, forward, backwards. This is this is low for Matthias in his prime. Like when you say this could have should have been uh, Van Basten's, and I said this should have been Van Basten's World Cup. I think this is Matthias's World Cup, isn't it? Uh, as we know, he goes on to beat. Uh, beat us in the semis, beat England, and then uh, beat, Di beat Diego Maradona's um, Argentina in the final. 
because that final is known for being quite a poor game. But I don't think Germany give two shits about how good a game is as long as they win it. It's just a, a winning machine at this point. The, the Dutch are really open at the back now with seven minutes to go. Uh, just played a ball over the top. Oh, keeper saves it. Every time they get the ball now, Germany, they, they're they breaking. The Dutch are just kind of really going for this equaliser now. Well, they just can't break break Germany down. Germany should have been should have been three or four up by now. But yeah, German corner on the back of that. So I think Matthias is taking the corner now. Ball comes in. Yeah, taken out to the left wing again. Going with him now. Klinsman has a shot. Oh no, that was Bremer. Amazing goal. Bremer picks the ball up on kind of the corner of the box and just in with his right foot past the keeper. That's his that the tournament. And as I said earlier, he goes on to score two more than any defender uh, to do that in a World Cup. Absolutely incredible. I don't think Andy Bremer gets talked about enough. I never hear anyone talk about him, but that's what a goal. And yeah, that's 2-0 Germany. Five minutes to go. And uh, and that's game over for the Dutch. It's um, it's a real shame. They uh, It was such hype going into this tournament with the Dutch. European winners. Best three players from the best team of all time. And uh, and unfortunately, that Rijkaard incident in the in the 21st minute. Bremer interviewed on quick with Kevin Paul. Yeah, I, I I did listen to that actually, Ron. Yeah, I think I remember it. Remember thinking at the time, uh, listening to him on that on that podcast, thinking, God, I'm surprised no one I've never heard him mentioned before. But yeah, he is. Uh, he, he he was just a fantastic fantastic player, wasn't he? But um, but yeah, he should really get talked about because a lot of these modern fullbacks, are, I'd imagine the coaching is. Is a lot of it. They're showing them videos of Andy Bremer saying, "This is how we want you to play." Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I wanted to watch this game just through the fascination of where these players were in their career at this time. Um, the fact it was in the San Siro um, with the Inter Milan and AC Milan connections, and um, and yeah, Inter Milan, uh, the Germans of Inter Milan come out on top and go on to win the World Cup in Italy. So um, so all those Italian-based Germans lifting the World Cup uh, in Italy is, um, is pretty incredible. But yeah, um, I'm going to wrap it up there. So thanks very much for, uh, for joining me. I think, uh, Ron, you've been, uh, been great company. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be edit editing this to make it into a podcast, and I'll do some uh, some short videos for social media about the players and the teams, and um, and hopefully uh, people get some enjoyment from that as too. So um, so yeah, congratulations to the German.